Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. I'm going to read this text to you. This would be our text for this collection of talks in this season here. Um, It's called Good News, Great Joy. How many of you like good news? Anytime as a team we're talking about maybe there's a challenge we're facing, uh, we'll bring up some bad news. My wife has this thing she always says. In the middle of all of us talking about our challenge, she goes, well... The good news is, and she comes up with something, and we all make fun of her for it. For Christmas, we're going to get you a shirt that says, well, the good news is, the good news is my husband's so handsome. Okay, anyway, uh, Luke chapter 2, here's what it says uh, right here. The good news, great joy. It says, at that time, this is about the birth of Jesus, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I love that phrase, good news, great joy to all people, to all people. And then he says this, for there is born, here's the good news, for there is born to you, made it personal, this day in the city of David, a Savior, capital S, a Savior, which is exclusive, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Can somebody say amen? This is what Christmas is all about. And we're going to be unpacking these verses over the next few weeks. But today, I wanted to talk about something a, a little unique. I, I really sense that as we, we lean into this season of Christmas, um, that it's supposed to be a time that's like it's merry and bright and, you know, all these things. I think what I've discovered in 20 years almost of ministry, that in a season that should be merry and bright for many, for many people, it's not so merry and bright. And, and, and the season of lights can sometimes, it can be people that are around us, even people in this room that can find themselves in a season that feels very dark, that feels very discouraging, that can feel like the lights are out and you're alone in your despair and your discouragement, sometimes even depression. Many people deal with depression uh, to a greater severity in this season, the season after Thanksgiving uh, through Christmas, even suicide rates, they say, is, is a, a bit higher because of this season because some people can go through such a dark time because sometimes the holidays can remind you of things that you've lost or things that you've never received. And it can be a dark season. And today I want to begin the conversation over the next few weeks because I think that we live in a world that is hungry for good news. In a, in, in a world that it feels like every headline can be bad news, can be tsunamis, can be earthquakes, can be fires, can be 
presidents, can be walls, can be every type of thing you can imagine that can end up looking like bad news and can put us in a funk. And this season, I think God wants to give you great joy. I don't think we need to live under a dark cloud of bad news, but we have the good news of Jesus Christ. And because we have the good news, we can have not just good joy, not just average joy, but we can have great joy. Can somebody say amen? So we're going to have a good time today in this collection. And so why don't you bow your heads with me and we're going to pray for just a moment. God, we just come to you right now in Jesus name. And God, I just pray for us as we head into this season, as we're talking about the good news that a savior, Jesus has been born. God, I pray that as we lift up Jesus, that God, as we do that, you'll lift up our spirits. God, you'll lift up, God, our eyes upon you, God, and we'll see you for your beauty and your majesty and for all that you are and all that you are, all that you give to us and you want to give through us. God, I pray that in this season, God, that we would not walk in darkness, but we'll walk in the light of your glory and your grace. God, I pray that you would use even today towards the end of this service, this legacy offering, God, unto you so that you may receive glory and honor and that you would use us not just to, to hoard good news to ourselves, but that, God, we'd be good news bearers, that we'd bring good news to the world outside of the walls of this church. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for the word of God. You know, as I was thinking about this last night, I was, I was up late, probably 12, 31 in the morning, just kind of praying about our time together and thinking about in my own life, like I, I do like Christmas. How many of you in here by a show of hands? I, I never want to embarrass you, but you, uh, you really, you like this season. You love this season. You, you like, this is a good season. You like the food. You like the, the desserts. You even like the tacky sweater Christmas party. You, you love all that stuff, right? Now, now let, let's just, let's just get real right here. How many of you, uh, you have had seasons in Christmas, um, where these can be challenging seasons, maybe with family or with relationship dynamic or some of those kind of things. How many of you in here, you, you say Christmas sometimes the rest of you are lying. Okay. All of us have had those seasons in Christmas where it can just, it can get crazy sometimes. It can get a little chaotic. Um, I was talking to some friends there here today. They'll remain name, nameless, but they were at our dinner party. We have a small group dinner party on Thursday nights. They were telling me that the other day they were out Christmas tree shopping and uh, they found a beautiful Christmas tree. It was a perfect Christmas tree. Eric and Allie, I will not name you, but it was a perfect Christmas tree. They found this beautiful Christmas tree. It was the perfect one. They walked away from their tree for just a moment after cutting it down. They were helping some friends of theirs and uh, they turned around and someone stole their Christmas tree. And uh, they found them. They found this couple. It was an elderly couple. And if you're here today, shame on you. We're going to pray for you at the end of service. Eric had to fight them. I'm kidding. That didn't happen. That would be so funny. But I mean, but you can, there can be drama at Christmas. It can be a dark season. It can be, it can be hard, you know, and that's, that's funny right there, that little story. But I think back even in my own life, you know, I, I was raised in a, in a good family. I think that they really love Jesus. Um, but my family started to kind of unravel a little bit. And I've shared those stories here with you if you've been coming here for a little while. So you know that my family, we had some, we had some challenges. But I remember last night as I was praying about this time, I remember one of the darkest seasons of my life was actually around Christmas. It was one Christmas, my brother-in-law, my brother and I, we were young. I, I don't even remember. My sister would probably know because um, she was part of this whole journey. And I remember one season, my parents, whenever they split up and it was really rough, uh, my brother and I, we spent our Christmas, as much as I love this place, it's not the best at Christmas, we spent our Christmas at Waffle House. I remember we went to Waffle House, my brother and I, we were young, I don't know, 15, 16 years old, and uh, I had my hash browns scattered, smothered, covered, and diced. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but it's all right. 
You'll get a revelation later. And uh, um, do they even have Waffle House in San Francisco? They don't. Dear God. Lord, send us Waffle House in Jesus' name. <clears throat> and, but I remember, I remember that, was, that was a dark time. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that I wasn't by myself. And I had my older brother there. And, and we made the, the best of it. We, we tried to have fun with it. Um, but it was a dark time. It was a dark season. Because that moment reminded me that normally we weren't at a table at Waffle House. We were normally at our family's table. And we were normally with one another laughing and having a good time and opening gifts. But for us at that time, it became, it became a dark season. And I'm not, I'm not sure, like, your story and your journey and where you're at right now, but maybe you find yourself in a dark season. Maybe this season reminds you uh, of a spouse that's abandoned you or a loved one that has passed away or a child that is prodigal and, and, and you're not in relationship with, you're estranged from one another. Maybe this season reminds you uh, that you don't have any money in this season. You know, I've been in that plenty of times. Maybe this season just reminds you that you just feel alone at times. You feel like you're the odd one at your family Christmas dinner. I'm not sure where you may fall. Some of you, maybe you don't fall in that category at all. But what I know, because we are human, is that there will come a time in this season or some season in our life where we'll deal with something called discouragement. And it's a dark place to be in. And so where I felt like I should share today is from this passage of Scripture and other ones, because I think that the Christmas story told in Luke 2 is, is this. It's, its backdrop is actually in a very dark place. It's in a very dark place in, in the history of, of mankind. I want you to think about this backdrop for a moment. You have Augustus that is the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And Augustus, uh, there's a civil war that he leads, and he's basically, he rises to the height of the Roman Empire and, and is established there. And most historians would say the climax of Roman, uh, the Roman Empire was, was Augustus there. But he's, a, he's the adopted son of Julius Caesar, and Julius later would be, uh, would be deemed a deity, like a god. And so Augustus, as he's ruling as now the emperor, uh, Augustus would call himself, he would, he, would, he would define himself as the son of God. He's the son of God. And that he was the one that would bring justice and peace to the world. And, and, and he's leading the charge with this Roman Empire, and he's occupying all these regions in these areas. And one of the areas is, is, is around the children of Israel. He's occupying with his military guards that area, and so they're highly oppressed. They're taxed like crazy. Matter of fact, the reason why Joseph and Mary had to go to this census was because of a tax that would be taken from them. And so they're oppressed people. The people of God are oppressed by the Roman emperor there. And this is a dark season for the people of God. For the Jewish people... They're just wondering, is there ever going to be relief from this darkness? Is there ever going to be a deliverer? And they're holding on to hope, believing that one day that God is going to send their Messiah to come and to deliver them from this, this regime, this Roman regime. And this is the backdrop there. Interesting that Augustus was, was calling himself the son of God uh, when another child would be born, not as an emperor in some place of authority, but in a manger, the true and real son of God. That would be the savior, the real savior of the world. But this is the backdrop that the Christmas story is in. But it's not just some big imperial darkness and cloud. It's, it's actually, there's even more to that. For the, for the Jewish people, for 400 years, they have not heard God speak. So literally, God has been silent. Have you ever had one of those dark seasons where you're, you come to church, you worship, you read your Bible, you're praying, and it feels like God is absent and he's silent? Listen, just because God's silent doesn't mean he's absent. 
Just because you can't track him doesn't mean you can't trust him. I have them all day, people. I can just keep rolling them, okay? Listen, 400 years God has not spoken. 400 years and, and they're in this silence. Is God, has he forgotten us? You know, there are people in our city right now that feel like they have been forgotten by God. There are people in this city that feel like they've been forgotten by humanity. And they're by themselves. And these people feel, the, the people of God, they feel forgotten. And, and not only is that a portion of the darkness, if you think about this, how dark do you think it probably was? This is just me using my exegetical imagination. That I think that even for Mary and Joseph, this probably started out as a dark moment, right? Think about this. An angel comes to you, ladies. You're a virgin. And an angel comes to you and says, by the way, you're pregnant. Whoa. Talk about an oops, baby. You know. I bet at first Mary felt a little dark. I know I would. I would feel dark if I was just pregnant, right? <clears throat> For other reasons. What about this? And then Mary, and then Mary has to go tell her fiance that she's pregnant, but she's a virgin. I have not done anything, I promise. I, I, but I'm pregnant. Now imagine for Joseph, if, if, you're, if you're the husband, how dark that first night probably was. You're thinking, my fiance, whom I've committed, I'm going to commit my life to. I love this woman. I'm, I'm going to live with her for the rest of my life. I want to have I've built a family with her. She's now telling me she's pregnant, and it wasn't with a man, but it was with God. Like, what is going on here? That's probably a dark moment. What about after the angel tells Joseph and confirms for sure this is con a conception of the Holy Spirit, this divine conception here? Um, he finally has settled with it. Him and Mary, they're like, okay, we're going to do this thing. Now they have to go tell their parents. That's a dark day. And on top of that, they don't have any money. Imagine being pregnant and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. You, know, you don't know how you're going to afford this whole thing. This is the setting. They don't even have a place to sleep one night. They go to try to just, just kind of just stay at somebody's house at this inn. And, and the people are like, we don't have any room. And, and, and they have to go and, and they're sleeping where the animals sleep and where the animals feed. And, and now she gives birth to this baby, which, by the way, back up just a little bit. Uh, talk about bad news. She's about to pop. She's so pregnant. And Joseph tells her, hey, we got to go do this census thing over in Bethlehem. And I need you to ride a donkey to get there. Imagine being pregnant, ladies, and you got to ride a donkey and you're like nine months pregnant. And you're just like, I mean, that's just not. <laughs> My wife's pregnant. Gabby's pregnant. Uh, there's something in the water here. Just be careful, okay? <laughs> this, is a dark, this is a dark time. Wouldn't you agree? This is a dark time that they're dealing with. They're going through here. I have a picture of the, of, of, a lot of times when we imagine, I think we have a picture up here. A lot of times we imagine the, the feeding trough that the baby was in. Uh, maybe I don't. There it is. We imagine this wooden thing. You know, if you've seen the nativity scene, it's like this little wooden thing. It's actually not like that. This was in Israel. Jennifer and I were in Israel. Um, that's a fake donkey or horse, as you can tell there. It's an outline. Um, but this is actually what the feeding troughs would look like. Everything's made of stone there, not wood, Right. And, and, and can you go to the other one there? there? There's one more. This literally, this cold stone, it, it gets cold in Israel at night. This cold stone that animals eat out of, the son of God left everything and is laid in a feeding trough. 
I think the irony is this, or maybe the significance, I should say, is that we live in a hungry world that's hungry for hope. And so the Savior of the world comes down in a place where feeding happens to say, I am what you long for. I am the bread of life, which, that which you hunger for. In this feeding trough here, this, this is a dark day. Yeah, there's some celebration to be done, but it is a dark day. So how do you get through those kind of moments? What do you do when you feel like you're going through a dark season? It doesn't matter if it's December or if it's May. What do you do whenever you're a little discouraged? I, I want to share with you just a few things that I hope will encourage you. And um, disclaimer is that I, I realize that some of these things may seem a little rudimentary. But as I begin to think about my own journey in my own life, there are times when I walk through some discouragement and I have dark seasons and even dark days. And I'm just going to share with you the simplicity of how God walks me through those places and gets me through those places. I want to share it with you. But what you need in those moments is you need hope. The person that doesn't have hope whenever they're in a dark day or a dark season, when they lose hope, they lose everything. So what, what is hope? Hope is the confident expectation based on something solid. See, when you're in a dark day and you're in a dark season, you feel like everything's crumbling around you and shaking around you. Your marriage is, is shaky and shifting. Your finances are shaky and shifting and, and all those things. You need something solid. You, you need a hope, and it's based on something that is solid. There's two types of ways that you can build your life when things are shifting and shaking and you're walking through a dark season. One is, is you can just anchor your life on something outside of you that is solid to hold you like an anchor, or you can just, just anchor your life in the shifting thing. If it's your finances, if it's the relationships or whatever, and you can just shift with whatever way it brings you. But we need something that is solid, that is firm, that will hold us together in the middle of those seasons. Hebrews 6 says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this. We have this hope. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have a hope. And that hope is Jesus in Hebrews 6. See, for most people, hope is something that they do. But for Christians, for believers, hope is something that we have. You see, for, for those that, that hope is something that they do, it's this. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope my team wins. I hope I don't get fired. I hope I can find a date. Hey, but for believers, it's not something that we do. It's something that we possess. It's something, or rather, someone that we possess. Romans 15 says this. May God, the source of hope, the source of hope, fill you, may I even say this, this season with joy and peace through your faith in him. Then you will overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if God is the source of hope, then we must go to God to have our hope restored. So how do we do it? How do we get that? Where do we receive it? I'm going to give you just a few things that, with as much time as I have here. I'm going to give you just a few things that I've found for me when I go through seasons. And when I even went through a season of darkness in and discouragement in the Christmas season years ago, the first one I found is this. It doesn't matter if it's this season or if it's a season you will go into one day. As rudimentary as it sounds, this is so important for you. If you're going to have hope restored to be able to walk through the darkest of days and the darkest of seasons, the first thing you have to have is the presence of God. Like, I don't know where I would be without God's presence in my life. 
I, I truly don't know. Like after 20 years of, of doing ministry, this is what I can say. More important than me getting answers to my questions in dark days or solutions for my problems. If I can just get myself in the presence of God, even when I don't have the answers to the questions or the solutions to the problems, I'm always able to get through it. Why? Because it's his presence that gives us strength, that gives us perspective, that gives us hope, that gives us the ability to walk through anything in our life. I've seen people on their deathbed, but be in the presence of God and be able to walk through those situations. Even though they may close their eyes on this earth, I've seen them have the right spirit and the right perspective because they've been in the presence of God. I've seen people get a bad diagnosis, but because they know the presence of God, they can still keep a smile on their face, even though they have questions that are unanswered and they don't have solutions to their problems. Why? The presence of God. I'm telling you, it restores our hope. It gives us hope. And the person that doesn't know the presence of God will never know the hope that is only found in God. And if you don't have hope, you cannot get through those moments. You got to have hope. And it comes from the presence of God. I love what the, the psalmist said, Psalm 62. He says this, find rest. Oh, my soul, find rest, oh, my soul. Your soul is what the seat of your emotions. Find rest, oh, my soul, in God alone. Look at this. My hope comes from him. It's like when, when you're restless and you're stressed and it's, you're, you're dealing with fear or anxiety and all these things in those dark moments when they try to invade your life, you have to say to your soul, find rest, oh, my soul. Find rest where? In God alone, in his presence because it's in that place, that's where my hope comes from. I love this in Psalms 27. David almost also said this. Though, or even though a mighty army surrounds me. Think about your own life when you've walked through tough seasons. Even though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. That's I will not let my emotions get the best of me. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the presence, uh, excuse me, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating on his temple, for he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Notice this. Listen, David says, whenever the dark cloud surrounds me, when it feels like the enemy is coming at me, when it feels like everything is crumbling around me, he says this. Here's what I'm seeking. It's not an answer to my questions. I'm not even seeking relief from my pain. He says, I'm seeking the presence of God. Yes. David must have known something. That if he could just, if I could get in the presence of God and I could gaze upon his beauty and his majesty and his sufficiency, if I can just get there and stop focusing on the dark cloud, but focus on the radiance of the glory of Jesus, if I can do that and get in that moment, his presence will give me amazing perspective about what it is that I'm walking through. A lot of times we stay in a dark place because we never get the right perspective. And it's the presence of God that gives us unbelievable perspective. Yeah. Unbelievable perspective. Um, there's another scripture. I'm going to read it to you really quick. Isaiah 40, verse 31. He said this. He says, those who hope in the Lord, Isaiah says, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I have a mentor of mine. He says there's two types of birds. There's flapping birds and soaring birds, right? Flapping birds are those birds that they just, they're just trying to, they're trying to just get up there, right? But soaring birds are different. Soaring birds, they're not like anxiously working really hard like a beautiful eagle. They're so graceful. You know what they do? They go to these, these high heights and they just kind of sit there 
talons locked in. They're just chilling. And they're waiting for that, that, that current, that climate current to rise, that, that air to rise. And they know when the moment's right, they just let go. And then they soar to these beautiful heights. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It's amazing that he says that, man, I'm telling you what, those who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength and they will soar. You're not going to flop. It's not going to be like you got to work this up and get like, I'm going to get through the dark days. No, 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 it's this. Is you got to get to a high place. You know when you get to a high place? It's in the presence of God. You, you, we can get down so low in our problems and our issues and our circumstances. We got to get to a high place. We got to begin to see everything from God's perspective. And then we wait for the current to rise, for the spirit of God to rise. And, but at that moment, you know what we still have to do? We got to let go. You may not understand, but you got to let go and just soar in the hope that comes from the presence of God. Here's the second, second one that I found out is this, is God's promise. I'm not going to... I'm not going to take too much time on this, but I have found that whenever I have problems in my life, the best thing for me to do is to find a promise for my problem. As if my problem is I have a bad diagnosis, I'm not just going to deal with my diagnosis. I'm going to go to God's word. I'm going to find a promise about healing because my problem needs a promise. And if you can find one of God's promises for your problem, listen, his promise will be a problem for your problem. Hey, the worst thing to do is to have a problem, but no promise. Now, here's what I, I know that some of your analytical people are like, well, you know, every one of those promises, Jason, they're not for us. Some were for Abraham. Some were for the children of Israel. Listen, if it's in God's word, I'm just going to steal it, okay, for myself. We were at this church called Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. They, they talked about prophetic ministry, which is basically a prophetic word. is, is a word from God to encourage someone, right? You, you're seeing something, you say something, and to encourage and to build them up. And one of the things, I'd never heard this before, but at Gateway Church, they said, you know what? If you hear someone get a, receive a prophetic word and it really resonates with you, just take it for yourself. I love that, okay? I, I don't know if it's theologically correct, but I really like it. It's like, you know? But what I do is, I'm telling you, I do this, and you may not buy into this, but I do it. When I'm walking through seasons where they maybe are, are dark seasons, where I'm discouraged about particular problems in my life, what I do, the way that I handle them is I go to God's word, and I, I just, I look for something related to that. And, if, and I say this to God, God, I know that you didn't make this promise to me, and you, but you made it to this person. And God, I just trust that if you do it for them, because you love me, God, you could do it for me. And I just, I find a promise for my problem from God's word. Psalm 119, David says this, my soul faints with longing for your salvation. When he says my soul faints, he says, I'm struggling. I'm riding the struggle bus, is what he's saying. He's like, I'm struggling. I'm longing for your deliverance, for your salvation, for your rescue, for some relief. But I have put my hope in your word. Isn't that great? We go to his word. We go to his promises and we find a promise for our problem. The third thing I found is this. Here's how I can receive hope whenever I'm discouraged or walking through a dark season is I remember this. I remember God's process. All these will have a P because I have a preacher problem, okay? <laughs> Helps me to remember. God's process. Here's what I mean by it. Let me explain this. If you believe, if you can get yourself to this place, if you will believe your pain can produce a purpose, then it's more likely that you will be able to endure it. If you can get to the place where you truly believe that your pain can produce a purpose, then it's more likely that you can endure it. Back in the day, I would travel and I'd go to these countries all over the world to, to bring the gospel to, to, to people that didn't know Jesus. 
And before I do these trips, I'd have to go get all these crazy vaccines. Some of them were very painful. I remember getting one, one time in my shoulder. It, like for the, whole, the next day, my shoulder was like, oh my God, I can't move my shoulder. It was so painful. But you know why I went and I endured the pain? Every time I endured the pain because I knew that there was a purpose in the process of what I was going through that would protect me later on, right? And so I would endure the process. I would endure the pain because I knew there was a purpose in it. My wife, she cannot stand needles. She looks at a needle, she just passes out, okay? It's crazy. And now she's pregnant. They want to take 85 gallons of blood from you every time you go to the doctor. And normally, like if she saw a needle, she would just be like, nope, I'm not going near it. But because she knows the purpose in that process, she's able to endure the pain because she knows one day, May the 8th or 9th, we're going to see a precious little girl. So she can endure that. Listen, with working out, you know why people go to the gym and they work out? Because they're stupid. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> people go, go to a gym. I don't go to the gym. I don't want people, I don't, I don't want ladies sinning by looking at my muscles. <laughs> so I'm trying to, I'm a pastor. I got to protect people. I got to protect people. But seriously, seriously, people, people, people endure the pain because they know that it's just a process for a greater purpose. You know why I think they put mirrors in the gym? Not just for all the vain people, but so that you can see the result of the pain and the process and your muscles start kind of pumping up. You start getting those veins and stuff. You're like, ooh, look at me. I look good. Look at that tricep. You're like, why? So could you imagine if you never saw any purpose come out of your pain? Now, that's where people get really discouraged. But I think you, you begin to trust God and say, God, I don't really know what you're doing or why you're allowing this to happen, but I do believe that you do have a purpose behind this process, which leads me to the, the, the next one I want to give to you. I, don't have a, I have a ton of scriptures to give you that, but I don't, I don't want to give this to you right now. God, give him revelation right now with all those things. Here's, a, here's, a, here's another one for you. Let me give you two really quick. God's purpose. I think God's purpose is another one. Is that I'm able to walk through hard times hard circumstances, dark seasons, discouraging times, when, when I can remember the purposes of God. Now, let, let, me, let me just share this with you a little bit. In planning a church, it's not exactly the easiest thing I've ever done, okay? That was supposed to be funny. It wasn't for you, but it, inside, I was weeping a little bit. <clears throat> this, is, this, this has been a long process for me. Um, it's been years in the making, and it's still like God's teaching me so many things. And there are some times when, watch this, when there's, there's all this vision of what you, you've maybe dreamed of and seen, but you're not seeing all that vision a reality yet. And some of you know that in your own life. Maybe you have things that you've dreamed of that just you haven't seen the reality of it yet. And sometimes it can be a little discouraging when you don't see certain things happening yet. And, and what I've discovered for me, that this is just me, that helps me. When I get in those moments where I'm a little discouraged, I do this. I have this picture. I started to bring it today. I have this picture of this little couple that I think Gabby took a picture of or Josh took a picture of. This little couple that years ago when we came here with a dream in our heart, there's a couple that, that worked over by the ferry building. They made jewelry. And, and we all got like a little ring or something that had the coordinates of San Francisco on it. And we just said, we're going to pray and we're, you know, about this, whatever. It was this cool moment. And we all walk off and Gabby or Josh take a picture of this couple. And I, we frame this picture and I have this picture. They would think we're so creepy. If they came to my house, they'd be like, why do you have a picture of me at your house? <laughs> we're watching you. No, it's not. <clears throat> but the picture of these two people 
they stay in my office and literally there have been times when I've been discouraged about certain things that I haven't seen happen yet. And I'll lift up my eyes and I'll look at that picture of that couple. And it reminds me of the purpose of God, the call of God, that we didn't come here. I didn't come here to make a name for myself. I didn't come here for any other reason other than for people like, like those people right there in our city. And there's times when I'm discouraged because maybe I didn't preach a good sermon. You know what I'll do? I'll look up at that couple, remind myself of the purpose. There's times whenever someone gets disappointed in me because I didn't live up to their unhealthy, unmet, probably even uncommunicated expectation of me. Sorry, that was a rant. Um, (laughs) You know what I do in those moments? I go to my office, I'll sit in my chair of despair. Sorry. If I'm discouraged, you know what? God will remind me. The Holy Spirit will remind me. Say, lift up your eyes. And I'll see that couple. That couple will give me courage. That couple will renew, it will renew my strength just seeing that couple. They don't know. Hopefully one day they'll show up at our church. There's times whenever maybe some of, our, some of my team wants to kill me. And they're like, man, this dude's crazy. I'll just look up at that couple. Maybe I should print copies and give it to all of our team. That'd be great. <laughs> come on, Bam, why don't you come on up? Uh, let me give you this last one. This is God's place. And, and this one is really important for today, like a Legacy Sunday, because here's what I mean when I say God's place. You know, last weekend we talked about eternity. And <clears throat> eternity is, is this, is, is, is that when we talk about it, we said this, we said there's more to this life than this life. And here's what that means. That this place, as awesome as this place, this world is, so thankful for the country I live in, for the city and the region that we live in. I'm so thankful for this place. But as good as this place is, this place is not it. Like this isn't everything. There's more to this life than this life. There's more to this place than this place. There's another place and it's eternity. And regardless of what your theology may be that we're going to get, you know, kind of plucked off this earth and we're going to escape up to some, you know, heavenly place or, or that heaven's coming down. What, what, regardless of your theology there, what we do know is the Bible teaches about eternity is that there is a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven and earth will kiss and that God will establish his holy city one day and we'll rule and we'll reign with him as followers of Jesus. We'll live for eternity with God, okay? I'm not sure what your theology is. You may have this picture that there are these, you know, chubby, you know, babies with harps and like clouds and we'll sing these ancient hymns. That sounds like hell to me, not heaven, okay? But there is another place, and here's why I'm telling you this. Here's why it is really important, is that as a pastor, I've had, to, I've had to counsel with people that have lost someone. Think of a lady right now. She lost her son at 22 years old, tragically died in a car accident. And as I've talked with her, she said, the thing that helps me get through dark days is I remember that one day I'll be in that place and I'll see Jordan again. And she goes, all the tears that I've cried, she goes, I'll never cry again. I'll, I'll, I'll never feel that pain and that grief ever again on that day. I'll never have another dark day. You know, I was thinking about it last night because the Bible says this about people in Hebrews 11, people of faith, just like us. They were hoping for something and believing for something. And many of them, they never saw it. But it says each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing, still hoping. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. 
People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. They were, they were after a far better country than that, heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. I love that. that there is a, another place that as followers of Jesus, we live for. We live for eternity. Yeah, we want to make this place better and brighter. We want to make a difference here. But all of it is because we understand there is another place. There is a day where it will no longer be dark. You know why it will no longer be dark? Because there is a lamp in that city. That lamp is Jesus. Look what Revelation says. And the city, this is speaking of the heavenly city that will come down, that other place. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city. And the lamb is its light. The lamb is Jesus. The nations will walk in his light. Here's what I, as I was praying about that scripture last night, I thought this. There's some of you in today, I don't know if this will encourage you. I hope it does. There's some of you today that you may be walking in a dark day, but I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to encourage you. And Jesus just wanted to say this to you, is that I know that it's dark right now, but there will come a day where the lights will be turned on forever because you will be with me forever, I felt like Jesus said. He's the light of that. See, he's the light of heaven. But I felt like he said this, you, you don't have to wait for that day. That day will be great. Not only is he the light of heaven, he is, the Bible says, the light of the world. And that if you're in a dark day today, God wants to shine a light in your life. He doesn't want you to live in a dark place. My prayer is that you know that the hope for humanity is Jesus and unto you was born in Bethlehem, the savior of the world, the light of heaven, but the light of your world. And that no matter what place you're ever in, you can know because of Jesus, you can have hope. That you don't have to walk through darkness. You don't have to be discouraged. You just have to reach out and anchor your life into the person, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.